0: Contact Kellers today and get your yard cleaned up before that dirty old man winter comes. I hate to say it, but he's on his way. The mornings are cold. They're frigid. I don't like it. I'm turning the uh, the steering wheel warmer on. I'm, I'm putting the seat warmers on. It's it's just miserable. But contact Kellers today. And if you're looking for snow removal services during the winter months, they can take care of that for you too. Do not break your back this winter and leave the heavy lifting to the professionals at Keller's, family-owned and operated. Their team is looking forward to serving you. Keller's Garden Center and Landscaping Services located on Kern Street in Exeter, near Blue Ribbon Dairy. Find them on social media to learn more. I'll say it, now, now, give me all the praises. Oh, that I love your
1: podcast. <laughs> you cast <just laughs> a commercial now.
0: now. Now that we're now that we're recording officially, <laughs> I had to bait you into that. What's up, man? I'm all right. How are you? Good, man. Ray Mioni of Diavolo Booking. Yeah. Did I say that correctly? You did say that correctly. I'm I'm surprised. Why? because a
1: lot of people don't say it right they they uh you know they say it as uh diavolo or something like that where or, it's like it just sounds like diablo but with a v instead of a, a b right.
0: i could see where people was, would think diablo
1: yeah it's fine
0: i mean yeah. it's the same thing it just it means
1: the same thing in italian so
0: okay well that works diablo booking um, what you? I mean, I've seen you around the scene, right? NEPA. I feel like I've seen you do open mics. I've seen you do band stuff. I've seen you do uh, a little attempt at some comedy at open mics.
1: Yeah.
0: Um. Yeah. So I've never had the chance to like sit down and talk to you, Ray. So I wanted to get to know who who Ray Mione is. I know your sister probably better than you. Oh, absolutely. Which, is, which isn't much. <laughs> Which isn't my i just, just i've I've probably talked to her for five minutes longer than you.
1: Oh man. I mean that's because <laughs> she's always super busy.
0: I know. Well she does the whole uh well, that's not true. She was on my she was a guest as well with the uh, the spooky summer thing with Bobby Keller. So I, I lied to you. I've talked to her maybe 45 minutes longer than I've talked to you. <laughs> so who is Ray Mione? What's let's 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 start with Little little Ray Mioni as a, a five year old boy. As a five year old, what's Ray doing at five years old?
1: At Five years old, I was still probably listening to Iron Maiden.
0: At uh, five, that's cool.
1: Five, yeah, yeah. That's uh, that's what I kind of grew up on. I grew up on like the hair metal kind of thing. That's what my parents were into. So that's kind of what I grew up listening to. And then I just kind of got into like heavier music after that and that's kind of how i got into like basically the music scene around here i just went to heavy shows and then i also like went to like the indie shows and pretty much any show that i can go to at that time when i was younger uh i was there where was that
0: where did you go like where were uh some i guess because you were probably underage at the time right where were some uh, yeah. underage spots
1: So there was the vintage theater. So there was like, I went to like all three vintage theaters. I know there was like a fourth one somewhere else, but there was the one, uh, the Ritz theater. I went to that one. Then there was the one by where center city print is. Uh, and then there's the one that was in the German complex where I think that like pop-up bar started coming in. And, uh, then there was like new visions at the time too. Like they were doing shows, uh, but that they didn't even last long. I think they only last like a couple of years. And then I know they closed down in like 2013 and vintage theater closed down in like 2014. So it's like trying to get like, you know, all age shows at that time was like really rough. And, you know, Underwood Skate Park was doing shows at that time too. They're doing like heavier shows. So that was like always cool to see. Yeah. Um, and then, like, I would just go up to wilkes Spare for, like, the shows up there, like, Carl Hall or uh, Burton Irby's was doing it at the other side. And then there was, like, a church that was doing shows, Redwood. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I went to, like, one Cafe Metro show before they actually closed.
0: Yeah, I mean, there's not a lot of places currently. Um And I, I I never got into the local scene when I was younger. It wasn't until I was like started at the weekend that I really kind of got involved, and that was Um, oh four. And by that time, all the really cool places, home base, Metro, were kind of Metro is still around, but not as as prevalent as it once was. Um, yeah, it's like it's a weird thing, like uh, with there not being a lot of underage venues now. I guess there's not much money involved.
1: Yeah, I mean it's funny now because you know most of the people who just go to all age shows are just always like already 21 so it doesn't really matter but i mean i still like to do all age shows so like you know everyone that i grew up with now is just they're all parents so they all have kids now so it's it's nice to see them bring out their their kids and stuff like that and show them like a scene where you know they can grow up in and kind of be influenced, start bands and stuff like that, just to, you know, progress the music community in this world or in this city rather.
0: Yeah, I mean that's so important. I mean that's um I was doing that show uh series at Carl Hall when I was uh doing the radio station stuff. Um it was called Alternatives Underground. Uh, and I wanted, it was important for me to have an, an all ages venue because I wanted to have, like you said, parents be able to bring their kids, expose them to the different music at a young age. And that was probably one of the most rewarding things as, as part of that series that, you know, that happened was, I remember the first show was Eye on Attraction. I think the show started at eight. I think the doors opened at seven or seven thirty, but there's already a line out, you know, at the door. Uh, for the first one, and they were, you know, a, a mom with her son, you know, and at the end of the show, like, there's kids hanging around, and the band kind of hung out, too, and they were, like, talking to the kids and, you know, even signing some autographs and stuff. That's, that's just, like, a cool moment, and you never know what that, you know, that moment could do, you know, or the effect it could have, you know, long-term on a young kid.
1: Yeah, I mean, I you know, definitely agree with that. It's just, you know, something like where I think back, if I didn't have shows to go to, I don't know kind of where I would be at this point. I mean, I think that was just really a part of like a major circumstance in my life where, you know, I always had shows no matter how like shitty my life was (laughs) at the time. It's just, I always had something to look forward to every single weekend at that time. Anyways, uh, now it's like, a little bit harder to get like, you know, bands to do it every weekend and stuff like that, which, you know, it's fine. We all have like, you know, actual jobs now, but it's even at that time, it's, I just kind of don't know where I would be. I think that this definitely played a major role in my life and, you know, to put on like shows now and to kind of see like, you know, kids, Kind of get involved with the music scene at this point is just kind of like, you know, a cool feeling because like I know where I was at that time, so to kind of see myself in their shoes is kind of cool to see.
0: Yeah, now before we get into uh Diablo booking, talk about like I said earlier when we first started, I've, I've seen you <clears throat> attending open mics, whether it was doing some comedy, um, you know, performing, you know, lyrically or, or in a band. Um, talk about kind of the 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 places you've been in in the uh, NEPA scene, uh, as regard in regards to like performances.
1: Performances, I I've done stand up, um, probably at this point, ooh, close to you know eight or nine years at this point. Um, Are I you mean, still doing I, it? Here and there, I I you know I'll still do it if like somebody asks me to do a show now you know i'll do it it's at the point where it's like you know kind of like the whole booking thing kind of like took over uh really rampantly which you know i'm really happy with but in a sense you know i don't have time to do stand up as much anymore which in a way it's like kind of that that was like my foot in the door when i would just do like shows so when i was like underage, when i was like 16 like i started doing shows when i was like 16 17 years old um i would just do like uh shows with bands all the time that that was like kind of my thing and i kind of did that until i was about 21 and even at that time it was like really hard to kind of perfect my stand-up in a sense just because there was not a lot of like all age open mics at that time there still isn't a lot of uh, all age open mics i think um there, there might be one or two around the area that might still do an all age open mic, but for the most part, like all of them were in bars. So for you to just even get into a bar was super hard at that time. And, you know, once I turned 21, that's kind of, you know, when I found my home at the Keys and I was just kind of there all the time. And uh, that's kind of where I was just doing stand up. you know, predominantly was just at the Keys all the time. And I think that's where I like perfected my, my craft at that time. And then that's when I was able to go to like the V spot open mic that rich does and, and everything. So, you know, all age open mics I feel should make a comeback just for that reason alone, you know, cause it was, it's just, it's, it's really hard, especially in Scranton to be underage and do anything in this area. Cause really in this area a lot of a lot of places that you can really only go to is just bars Mm -hmm. and if you are you know 16 17 or even 15 years old and you want to either be a musician or you want to do stand-up or you want to do like poetry or whatever and for you to do any of that kind of material at an open mic it's just super hard for you to do because you know open mics are just slim to none when it comes to all age open mics anyways
0: yeah, I guess that's why it was hard for me to get involved uh, before I started at the weekend because I was I started at the weekend when I was 21 years old. Um, but like you're saying, before that, I mean, I remember wishing when I was like 16 or 17, I was wishing that I was 21. and It wasn't like other people thought I, w- I didn't want to go out drinking and get drunk at the bar. I wanted just to be able to get in them <laughs> and see the music and hear the music. Um, so, yeah, I mean, definitely it's a it's a challenge.
1: Oh, yeah. I remember when I was like 18 years old, there was a band uh, called Gloominus Doom, and they were super cool. Uh, around this time, they the one vocalist at the time had a pig leg because his, his leg was fatigued <laughs> like So he had a pig leg as his uh, leg, and he would just bash a cowbell off him. And they played at the keys at the time. And I remember staying outside of the keys just so I can hear them because I couldn't get in.
0: I think I want to see that more than hear it. Yeah, well he's not even their
1: vocalist anymore. I don't even think they're around anymore, but they were like they were like a weird like doom ska band at the time. Um but they were like super cool to see. They're from Reading.
0: I don't think I've ever seen a man or a woman with a peg leg <laughs> in real life. <laughs> I'm not it.
1: it was super cool i i mean i i got to see them at that i think they were like playing at reverb or, or something like that that's like how i knew about them um and so when i saw that that was like the coolest band i've ever
0: i i ever got to see well I love the fact that he took advantage of his uh situation you know yeah that's funny that's awesome oh man but yeah I, it's it's uh so do you think you're funny ray I like to think I don't think I really have that
1: funny, but uh, it, it's it's super weird, you know, in this area, it's like you have a lot of friends that go to open mics, so it's like it's really weird to know if like you're actually funny or is just your friends laughing at the stupid shit that you say on stage. Uh, so have, I, you ever,
0: have you ever ever been booed off the stage before? I've never been booed off the stage. Never I been can't say that <laughs> you're going to too many safe places. I know. I should not gotta, do that. You got to get out in, in the real world.
1: I did do a, a tour in California, which was... That's cool.
0: Fun. Yeah. How'd you get uh, out there? So I just
1: kind of, you know, asked around for shows uh, before we, me and uh, a buddy of mine went out there. and And then we were able to hit up some open mics while we were out there. And that was super fun. But the open mics, I've realized how comedy open mics are compared to how the open mics here are where they're just mixed mics where they're, they're just, you know, three minute, five minute open mics (laughs) for per person. So for you to get your stuff down in five minutes, you're basically only doing like one or two jokes and then you're off stage. Yeah. Uh, So that was definitely like, um, an eye opener in a sense on how to kind of cut the fat of my jokes. Um, and around here, you you wouldn't see any of that. Like a lot of a lot of places are really generous to even give like ten minutes.
0: Yeah. What's your stick? Do you got a stick?
1: I don't know. I mean, like I I've been told like I'm like the Dame Cook. Like somebody told me out told me that out in like California, and I kind of like it set me off a weird way just because I don't like Dame
0: Cook. But wow. why do you like Dane Cook? I don't understand that. That's like. I don't know. I, I feel like he got a bad rap. I, you know, I think he got too popular. It's like a Nickelback of of comedy. No,
1: right? I, I don't even think it's that point. I just I don't think his material itself is funny. I think he's a good actor. But as for you him, think he's a good, good actor? He's a good actor. I thought I, th- I, th-
0: I don't know. I thought he was that. funny
1: an employee of the month. I thought that was a good like. He's
0: fine. I, I think he's a better thought. comedian than he is an actor. I don't know.
1: I, I just I think he's goofy as a as an actor. That's kind of why I like him. <laughs>
0: Employ them. Was that with uh, uh what's her name,
1: Jessica Simpson? I think That's the one, yeah, yeah.
0: And then he was, he was in it. Well, I mean, back then when he was you know in his prime in uh, in comedy, even, I mean, he had a, a couple movies. Good Luck Chuck, I think, was one of them or something like
1: that. Isn't that he was Where in my, Waiting?
0: Waiting was good, yeah. I mean, it was a smaller role, but also, maybe it wasn't good. Was it Good Luck Chuck? Is that is that good luck? Chuck was his, yeah, my best friend's girl or something. With Maybe. J- Jason. Jason. I don't know. I, don't, I
1: I remember like the only two movies he was actually in was uh, "Waiting" and "Employee of the Month." I think "Employee of the Month" was like one of his first like leading roles. But I mean, yeah. he he played a good role in that to kind of symbolize like a Sam's Club kind of.
0: Aspect. Yeah, I th- I think, and this might make me sound bad, but I think Dane Cook was my my first. Like favorite uh, comedian, I guess. Like when he came onto the scene, well, for me it was like oh two oh three, I guess. I guess it was, but uh, I mean, I, I he just I, he killed it for me. It was awesome. Comedy is fun, man. Comedy is really fun. I wish uh, I give me a lot of credit for being able to to even attempt comedy, especially at open mics, because <clears throat> I feel like I don't know, like. It could be a mixed crowd, yeah. At least like if you, if you pay, like I just went and saw Shane Gillis uh, this this past weekend. I kind of had an idea of like who he was and what his comedy was like, mm-hmm. so people like know what they're kind of, you know, going to see as opposed to like go open mic and you might not know what you're getting at all.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's definitely easier when you have like a headliner like him. And you kind of have an idea of like what his jokes are going to be like, or you look at Matt Reif. My, Matt Reif is, you know, blowing up on the scene right now. Um, and you kind of have like an idea of how he's going to be, but then you have to kind of look at the openers to see like, you know, what other bullshit you're going to, you're going to deal with. So when I was doing stand up, and, you know, even now I'm still like this, it's, you know, like I have my set of material But it's whenever I'm doing a show, it kind of depends on am I going to do this material or am I going to do, you know, the 10 minutes that I have? Am I just going to do all crowd work? Um, Because you have like them, you have the comics that will do like their set. Like a good example is uh, George Carlin. Like George Carlin does or did a lot of his material. He'll write it word for word. And then you have a lot of other comics that, you know, wouldn't do that. Like that wasn't me. Uh, I kind of did a lot of my material on the spot. So, you know, when I would do open mics and, and things like that, I would just kind of come up with something that I, I thought was like funny, just like off the top of my head. And if it hit, I, you know, I would just turn it into a joke. And that's kind of how I always did stand up in a sense. So I guess like that's like my style of comedy. I kind of like to kind of involve the audience a lot in my material and there's like, there's been some shows where I would do only like one or two jokes and then the rest of it would just be all crowd work because, you know, I, I think it's more fun to involve the crowd than it would be for me to just, you know, talk about whatever bullshit I think is funny that nobody else does. So
0: Crowd work is interesting. And I think Matt Reif is like a master mm-hmm. at it. Um, knows what he's doing. Yeah. I mean, to be that quick and witty and and... Uh, that's just something that's, I th- think is pretty wild. Yeah. I
1: mean, you know, I think, I think a lot has to do with him coming off of wild now. Uh, sure, yeah. cause I, I remember watching an interview, uh, with him and he was saying, it was just kind of like a doggy dog kind of thing where you were just kind of being interviewed every single show to kind of be put on the show. So I think a lot of that has to do with, you know, how well he works, and it definitely does work for him. So, you know, I'm not going to knock someone on, you know, regardless if I don't think he's funny or not, he does very well. Yeah. You know, a lot of his crowd work is funny. Um, You know, his material, I think, could be hit or miss. But, you know, once he gets into that area of where he's just doing crowd work, you know, it, it's really funny.
0: It almost seems like those people are like set in the crowd on purpose. <laughs> when you have it... A- yeah comedian like that it's like how does this even happen how do you how do you how is that set up and you're able to just roll with it like that uh i mean it just it takes years i mean that's like the
1: thing it's like when i was when i first even started doing stand-up i'd never been like really booed i just kind of like just didn't get any laughs so you know doing you know 10 minutes on open mics where you're just bombing half the time it's just it feels like an eternity so Mm -hmm. you kind of have to like learn quick uh you know what's funny what's not and even that it's just you know you kind of just have that idea of like oh this is going to be super funny and then it's like you know a lot of people who would go to like his shows or just comedy shows in general a lot of them just get drunk and they just kind of want attention and that's really where it where it comes from yeah so when you just give them attention and just make fun of them, it's just it works.
0: Yeah, I think if I were to ever try comedy, it would have to have like things like planned out, like jokes written out, and like like a, a start and end, like a punchline.
1: That you know definitely helps. You know when you go to open mics around here, a lot of people don't do that, and they just kind of say like, "Oh, here's a funny story that has like." little to no uh context of what's going on so i mean it ju- it just doesn't make sense a lot of people would just say you know it's something about their buddy that they think is just a funny story but in general yeah. it's, it's not a joke a lot you of had people, you had to be there uh, yeah yeah and that, that's really what it is it's like, these are not jokes that people are actually saying they're just saying like you know stories that they know of their friend like i don't know whoever the fuck they're talking about it's just yeah it is what it is but
0: yeah i think bill burr is is an excellent uh storyteller yeah bill burr
1: is probably one of my favorite comics he's the man man. probably definitely kind of like one of those comics that inspired me to do stand-up was one of him
0: that's cool outside of comedy um have you performed in bands is that accurate uh
1: here and there i kind of like there's like some bands that would just kind of start up fall fall through like we never like really played shows or anything i think the only the only band that i've really been in where we actually played a show was the one that i'm currently in uh noskaratu and that was and but i mean that also makes sense because i also have you know members from christ chopper in the band so you know they've already done like plenty of shows before you know we've i've even played shows so but I mean, like there's, there's been times where I would go to shows and I would just grab the mic from my friends' bands and just do vocals.
0: And that was okay with them. Yeah, yeah, they don't care,
1: <laughs> or they do, and I don't know.
0: It was a uh, when I was younger, I uh, went to a house party in a basement, and um, I grabbed my friend's guitar, and he was totally cool with it. To the point where he's like, I'm gonna unplug this so it doesn't sound like garbage because I can't play right. He knew that the problem was <clears throat> I didn't eat anything all day. I think I had, a, I, I was gonna like get food on the way, you know, I, I worked all day, I was gonna get food between working and uh, on the way to the show. But the guys in the band were late, I was going with them, they were late, couldn't stop. I think I had a payday, it was all I had for uh food that day. So I got to the party. I had like two beers and I was gone. So either it was because I didn't eat or I got drugged. I don't know which one it was probably because I didn't eat, but uh that was a fun time. I grabbed my friend's guitar. He unplugged it. I acted like I was playing it. The people in this basement thought I was playing it. It was like my time to shine. Uh, And it was all good until I fell over and knocked a pitcher of beer into one of the amps. And uh It was still cool. Everyone loved it. It was like punk rock, right? But I had to pay for that amp because I broke it. (laughs) I didn't grab a guitar after that.
1: No, you never learned. uh, No,
0: nope. I think I learned like the first couple uh, to like landslide. That's as far as I got. I just had no interest. I had like I think I I got a guitar in two thousand six, but I just uh, yeah I just had no. My mind doesn't work like that. I think there's there's definitely people who have you know whatever side of the brain you know is, is for arts and the other side of the brain is for you know whatever else. I don't have I don't have the art side of the brain that works. Mm-hmm. Just don't. I get it.
1: I mean, I I can't really play instruments either. I mean, I tried playing I tried playing bass. I, I suck at bass, so uh, I so I just can't concentrate on it. So I get it.
0: Yeah. So you're in the scene. You're in some bands. You're doing some open mics, doing comedy. Um, Diablo Booking is born. Mm-hmm. Where did that come from? I've seen I've seen the name across social media. I see a bunch of shows at like Clarkie's Billiards. I want to talk about that venue because I never heard of it until you started booking shows there. Um, <clears throat> we've got the uh, Happy Scholar Days uh, second annual show coming up in December at some point. Mm -hmm. Um, let's talk about the birth of Diablo booking.
1: So Diablo booking kind of came about where the probably, let's see, back in March of last year, uh, this guy, this guy messaged me and he was asking me if I wanted to book, uh, promise breaker and, promise breaker on a tour with fall uh fall 50 feet uh two hardcore bands and at this time there was really no shows in scranton going on like for heavy music wise so you know they they were like well they they told me that they it was like some promoter and they they he somehow got my name from somewhere so i said i'll just do it i'll find a room and i'll just book it So at that time, I did it at room 221 up in Dixon City. And, you know, that show went well. And then after that show happened, uh, another friend of mine from Pittsburgh, he's in a band called Wind Chimes, um, some death metal band, which they're super sick. And he was asking for a show. So at this time, you know, room 221 didn't really want to do shows. So I was trying to find another place, um, which I did. I found Keystone Stage, and that's kind of where I started doing Keystone Stage a lot. And that's kind of like how Diablo booking kind of started, where you know, a lot of my friends would just ask me to do all age shows because at that time there was no all-age shows happening. It was just always at the fee spot, it was always at Finnegan's or any other bar in this area, backyard, wherever. So that's kind of where I just kind of took that step and just decided, okay, I, I kind of want to just do this. I want to book shows in this area. I want to do all eight shows, you know, and that's kind of where like, you know, keys on stage kind of gave me that footing to where I was able to do shows. And I've done shows there for almost two years. And at that point, uh, a lot of my uh, shows were just becoming a little bit too big for the crowd that they can have in their venue so at that time i you know i tried to look for another place and that's kind of where clarky's billiards came in and i went to clarky's uh one time with jess we were playing pool and noticed that there was like a cover band playing and both of us were kind of just like oh i didn't know they did bands here and we were talking to the owner the owner was you know really really nice and everything and he asked us you know can we do you know like basically any bands that want to play here and i told him you know i put i book punk shows here and there so i can i can bring that in and he was all for it so that's when you know i started kind of putting on some shows there like i just had the the first show there in october and that went really well i have the show you know this friday and then i also have you know scholar days there so it seems like you know he's really liking the idea of you know bringing more people in which it's a super cool place you know i mean there's really nothing i can complain about you know he's definitely you know way more accommodating than anything that i can really think of so uh, i really appreciate that in any kind of sense but you know, just doing shows there, it's just, you know, it's, it's super relaxed feeling kind of like a kind of like a second home kind of feeling.
0: So shows at a billiards. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> are the pool tables open when these shows are going on or no? Yeah.
1: I mean, this is like a big open room, which okay. is super cool. So like all the way, so like you would walk into the building. And then just all the way into the back, they have like this just little stage there. And, you know, it's just they they have a little stage. They have a bar there. So, you know, people can get drinks and stuff like that. So it it definitely made it a lot easier in that regard. Um, And, you know, I I think at first, you know, putting on shows there was just kind of iffy to see how it was. But it, it seems, you know that this is going to be, you know, the new all-age spot.
0: Okay. Uh, Where is that located? That's right up the
1: street from the V-spot, like two doors up from the glider.
0: So Right across the
1: street from the the football field.
0: Okay, so it's like if you were driving on that road, I think it's Providence Road, like towards the V-spot, it would be Clarkie's uh, glider and then the V-spot? Yeah, it's like that garage okay
1: first and then it's the glider then the v-spot
0: and how long has it been there for i've never heard of it again like until you started booking
1: shows. so i guess it's been there for a few years and i think it was like something else like i i hear people saying that it was like this old like i guess it was like a pool hall before that as well before they i guess changed the name um because i can't i can't remember the name of it i just remember saying hearing people say oh it's it's this old uh it's this old company, and I guess so. So, like, really all I know of it is uh, Clarkie's. I really don't remember what it was. It's like, it's like that auto store, uh, Sneak and Sunday. It's, like, right next door.
0: Okay. And as far as, like, <clears throat> booking a show, I mean, I mean what, what goes into booking a show? Because I don't know anything about that.
1: So, a lot of people do a lot of things different. I mean, I always... I still do it kind of old school Uh, as much as I promote on Facebook and other social media platforms. I still like to do like the footwork of it. So I'll print out flyers and I will go around all downtown and just put up in like anywhere downtown that I can, any kind of businesses that let me put it up, you know, like loyalty has been super cool. Bizarre skate shop has been super cool for me to put them up there. Um, papa's pizza like you know uh nick d's video game vault like in the the mall and stuff like that so i mean like there's a lot of places that have been super cool to let me put some different stuff up there so i mean um that's the only thing that i can say is just like you know a lot of businesses uh in the area has just been super cool for me to put up like flyers and and everything so i mean i still do the footwork to it so i think that kind of makes me what i do a little bit different than a lot of people i know Jeff probably, does it too
0: yeah well that's probably more of the promotional side of things but as far as booking the shows i mean are bands reaching out to you do they have management reaching out to you like how does that work
1: so i mean i've had management reach out to me here and there um sometimes if you know if i if i could pull the show um you know i'll do it but for the most part, a lot of bands that uh, you know do message me it's more so like touring bands um and a lot of times they they'll ask for like weekdays and you know just this area you know you passing know. through yeah weekdays don't just don't work here so you know, I kind of tell them in like kind of like more of like respect for them like I don't want them to play a show where it's like sure just me and like all oh, the bartenders just you know being there, you know because. I don't know. There's a, there's a lot of places that will do that, you yeah. know, from, cause I mean, weekday shows just, you know, suck in general, but I I refuse to do any kind of weekday shows. Like the second that they tell me like, Hey, I'm, I need this weekday. I'm like, I can't do it. It's, it's literally that reason. Like, I don't want to see them, you know, travel all this way. If they're like traveling from New York, Philly, or even Boston, I don't want to see them just play in an empty room. Cause that's right. not, you know, it sucks. So yeah. if I tell them, but then again, I, I'll also reach out to them and just say, Hey, if there's a weekend, you know, either like a Friday or Saturday that you can do, you know, we'll do that. You know, I don't, I don't care what Saturday it is or, or anything like that. It's just, I'd rather do that, have at least uh, a couple people in the, in the room for you to play in front of, than you just playing in front of like a bunch of people. And I think a lot of people like kind of respect that more, sure. as much as that they need the date. You know, it's it's just easier to go about.
0: Well, I imagine, and, and correct me if I am wrong. I imagine that um, the way you get paid is also uh, indicate indication from how the show goes, too, right? No,
1: I don't get paid. I don't. You don't I get don't. paid at all? No, I don't care about the money.
0: You just do this for free?
1: Yeah, I just I rather give it to the bands. That's really what it is. It's just like, I have a full-time job, but like, I don't care about the money. Like, Money has nothing to do with it. It's just, you know, I rather, I rather see, you know, people come and see any band that I bring in. I rather see, you know, if their parents like bring their kids in, just get them involved with this and just, you know, kind of influence them to do basically just join bands, whatever they want to do. Like, I rather see that happen and I rather see bands get paid. Um, you know you know just in this area there's like there's not a lot of places that you know will pay bands for whatever show that they put on there's there's really not a lot of places that will do it so for me it's like you know I make you know a couple hundred dollars on a show I'm just like okay well here's it to the bands you know I'd rather see it go to the bands and sure. do anything else
0: Ray's got passion. Yeah, <laughs> that's cool though. I mean, um, yeah, you know. With that being said, even if okay, you don't get paid, right? But like, you know, there's a lot of respect involved in in that. You know, if someone comes to you and you you book them in a in a bad room. That's that's gonna, you know, be a negative uh, negative thing on your name.
1: Yeah, I mean, I. Uh... if it it ever comes down to it, where, you know, nobody shows up for a show. I remember one time I I booked the show, nobody came. I think Bobby Keller was the (laughs) only one that actually showed up and he, so he was the only one that showed up. And then I just kind of looked at the room and I felt like so bad that nobody came to this show. And I ran, this was at Keystone stage at the time. It was actually last November that this happened uh, I ran down the street and I just bought pizza for all the bands. Cause you know, if I can't pay you, I can at least feed you something. Mm-hmm. It's kind of where my mentality goes. So that's kind of what I just did for the bands that where nobody came to the show. I just did that for.
0: Cool. So this is neat. This is like a, a cool, you know, passion project where, where it's, it's kind of good for everyone, right? It's, it's hopefully it's, you know, driving traffic to a venue it's you know exposing people to you know a new possibly a new band and and, and new things like that um that's cool man thank you and, and ray's not getting paid no i don't i don't care man, good for you good for you i like that they're good people The on yeah. are good people <laughs> so talk about this uh this uh happy scholar days.
1: So yeah, uh this year's happy skull days. Um got seven ska bands on it. Um my band is playing those karatu. Uh then we also have the what now The what now's have been playing this area for at least more than 10 years. I remember seeing them when I was like super young. Um then I the one band like I'm really excited for is, you know, Sergeant Scagnetti. I've seen them like a bunch of times, like since they played with the uh, they played once for me at Keystone. Uh, and they were just such a fun set that, you know, I just kind of I went out to like Connecticut to go see them for the record, at least, because they're just a super fun band to see. Um, they throw out like, I don't know, like foam swords and stuff like that. And they try to reenact the uh the braveheart scene uh which is super cool uh and then i have scapository from long island new york they're super cool they've been playing this area a little bit now um then there's duo with malice they're from buffalo new york they like recently came back within the last couple years which is super cool uh and then I also have the Chemical Imbalance. They're like a new um, ska hardcore band from uh, Vernon, New Jersey. Uh, they're like the same members of Fat Chance. And, you know, they're just a super fun band. They played at Camp Uh Very cool set. And then I also have Keep Flying. Uh, Keep Flying is kind of like a pop punk with horns Dude, that's band. a
0: great band.
1: I love Keep Flying. They, I, I've seen them multiple times this year
0: alone. That's a, that's a great get.
1: Yeah, uh, I'm really lying. excited about this lineup. Honestly, yeah,
0: that sounds like an awesome time. And if you were, if you were true to what you said about listening to all my podcasts, you would have remembered that I interviewed a member of that band. You did, you son of a bitch. <laughs> you fucking lying guy. How am I lying? <laughs> that's cool man so i mean this this area i I would never um is there a a a big draw for ska yeah
1: ska uh, ska, ska really draws um you know that's the one thing that i can say is that i i never understand the people that shit on ska i mean you know there's there's a lot of my friends that will you know like just talk about like how you know, ska is like kind of like that feeling when you're a kid and you get mozzarella sticks for the first time and it's like it's it's the weird thing, but it I don't know. It's just like there's like so many people that just shit on this genre for no reason at all. I don't
0: but know. I think that is. I mean
1: what's wrong with ska? I don't know. I mean, I like ska, but I mean like there's so many different variations of ska, if you really think about it. You know, there a lot is. of people when when you think about ska, you think of like you know, the kind of mid nineties, like mighty, mighty Stones, real big fish era. Um, uh, yeah. I mean, fans. when I, when I think about ska, I always go to the two-tone movement with, you know, you got madness, bad manners, specials, um, you know, just plenty of bands in that area that has like the kind of like the chicka chicka, uh, kind of sound. And that's like kind of my type of ska, you know, like the the 90s, you know, ska core that came out with, like, Suicide Machines, stuff like that. And, you know, I love that type of ska, too. But for me, it's just, like, I like the kind of two-tone over over that. But, I mean, like, a lot of people just kind of immediately just go to, like, Real Big Fish. Either Real Big Fish, No Doubt, Sublime, anybody that you talk to about yeah, ska.
0: Boss Tones, for sure. And Boss Tones are great, you know? Yeah.
1: You know, it's just there's so many good bands out there to play ska, and then yeah, you go into like kind of like that mid 2000s era, and you have bands like you know Flaming Sudamis and Folly, plenty of other bands that will just, they'll incorporate like heavy hardcore into uh just ska riffs, and it's just the coolest thing ever.
0: That's cool. So this is the second annual. So I guess the first year went pretty well.
1: Yeah. Uh ironically, how the first one went was it was actually not intentional. I didn't intend to do like a ska fest at all. It was just kind of one of those rare moments when I asked all these ska bands to play the show, uh, that they all said yes at the same time. <laughs> so then I'm like, Oh, I guess I'm just doing a ska fest because I'm not gonna say no to any of these bands. Right. Uh, so that's kind of how it went. It was just kind of you know, shocked at the, at the fact that, you know, in just one day at the same time, everybody was just, you know, telling me that they're good for the show. And and that's kind of where it went to, you know, I'll just, I'll just do a ska festival. And for me, it's like, you know, it just seems super fun to do. You know, I kind of never really did a festival like that before. So I had no idea what I was doing at that time. Like this year, I definitely have like a little bit more knowledge to it, but for some reason I thought it would be a great idea to do seven bands last year at eight o'clock at night, which is not a good idea. <laughs> uh, but again, I didn't know what I was doing within my first year of uh booking shows and stuff. So this year definitely uh is gonna be a little bit easier to do, especially with you know, this this show is only like we we start at like five o'clock in the afternoon. Okay on Saturday. And it still ends like before eleven, so it's still like kind of that.
0: That's like the new curfew. I feel like.
1: Yeah, even even me. Whenever like any of the shows that I've ever booked, I'm like, oh, it's ten o'clock, and I have to be here for like another hour because I'm a dumbass that decided you know all of these bands could play until like eleven thirty is a good idea. Yeah, and ten o'clock rolls around, and it's like I'm I'm tired.
0: <laughs> we got a full time job, you know. Yeah. got up in the morning uh the the name is clever i mean happy scala days i mean that's the, was that you did you do that
1: that actually um my guitarist actually came up with that i was originally going to call it uh mary skamas and then he was just like oh you should just do happy scala days and i'm like okay
0: <laughs> yeah i think i like scala days better than scamus.
1: Yeah. it was it was it was gonna be christmas themed either way um my whole idea was it that you know maybe one year i can get like a reunion that you know nobody has like really got a chance to see in like you know a long time like if i was able to get like bob and the sagas to reunite for you know a ska festival that would be it because all of them would probably come in for the holidays Or if I was able to get like eight ounce Joe, you know, to do a reunion, I think that would be like super cool. And I've, you know, I've tried, I've tried to ask eight ounce Joe to do a reunion and never got a reply. But, you know, hopefully like one day I can get like eight ounce Joe to do a reunion.
0: And what's the date on that this year? This
1: year it's going to be on December 9th.
0: December 9th. Clarky's Billiards. Clarky's
1: Billiards. I have been.
0: Providence Road, Scranton. Very cool. Second annual Happy Scala Days. <clears throat> I'm glad I didn't do Scalmas. That sounds like a <laughs> kind of religious holiday.
1: Yeah, I'm. I i do not know. I just uh, I know like Scala Days have has been like a thing for a lot of areas. So I was just kind of trying to be a little bit different. And I think like Scalmas already like kind of like went into my mind immediately because I was thinking of like a Christmas themed. Yeah. uh ska Festival festival, and, and I guess I just didn't think about like happy holidays for whatever reason at the time and so then that's kind of where my my brain went with uh scamis okay
0: it's not terrible it's not good
1: but <laughs> yes.
0: I get it I get it you
1: don't like it it's fine I
0: don't I <laughs> didn't like it so I like I like happy scholar is better than happy scams that's completely fair that sounds like it, it's a uh, an extension of like Hanukkah or something.
1: I mean, I've been to like, uh, other ska festivals where they would do like Skanksgiving, Skanaka. I've been to, uh, Skanaka was like a thing out in like Pittsburgh. I remember that happened one year and that was like a cool lineup. Okay. I think like less Jake was like on it or something like that.
0: That's cool. So after the happy Scala days show, um anything else left for the year are you kind of looking uh to 2024
1: uh at that point i'm just looking at 2024 uh a lot of a lot of work gets put into scholar days um and where it's just only me like jess helps me out a lot but for the most part you know it's it's me that puts up the flyers everywhere any show that i do i put up flyers but like the holidays is definitely like a, a bigger thing that i just put in a lot of work into and then by that time i'm like <laughs> i'm just exhausted from everything i'm just like i i i'm done for the year and you know i try to kind of enjoy the rest of the year that i have left at that point but at that point i'm always still trying to look into you know what i can do for january february march or whatever so it's always i'm always just going
0: I mean, any big aspirations for 2024? I mean, obviously, this is the second year for Scholar Days. Hopefully, obviously, it'll be better this year than it was last year. It'll keep growing. It'll be a, a huge annual thing. You'll get uh, your reunion shows one day, you know. Um, but as this continues to grow and you continue to learn more and you continue to, to book uh, shows and work with more bands, is there anything else that you're thinking, hey, like, I mean, I know you got a full-time job and this is kind of like a passion project for you, but I mean do you have is there a bigger picture here or are you just kind of gonna go with the flow and see what happens
1: I'm just gonna go with the flow I mean I I know with you know just kind of see what comes up and you know I'm not I'm not really opposed to you know what any any band that comes towards me for a show and stuff like that like I'll book whatever it's more you know when it comes to like scholar days that's kind of like the big thing that I always I kind of focus on um so even with that I just kind of I try to make every year bigger than the last. So there's definitely a lot of ideas of what's going to happen for next year. Um, it's kind of what I want to say about that. Cause I can't really give too much out of sure. what I want to do for it. Um, the one thing that I can just say is it's definitely going to be a lot bigger than, than this year.
0: Cool. Well, I hope so. That's awesome. Well, I always like when people take, you know, passions they have and kind of turn it into something good, you know, um, right. I like to think that I do that with this whole thing. Um, so it's, it's cool to have people like, you know, Rich Howells and doing what he does and, you know, you're doing what you do and me doing what I do. And, uh, you know, jo- Joe Cavison with the steam Town awards and let say music conference. There's always, it seems like a good collection of people trying to just, um, mm-hmm you know build awareness for our our little area and, and kind of uh just do the right thing so um uh, i'm i'm glad you're part of that thank you <laughs> yeah so happy scholar days december 9th clarky's billiards uh tickets available is that an in-person type thing are tickets available for purchase prior to that what's what's the story there
1: yeah. Uh so we have an eventbrite. Um, it makes it a lot easier on the event page. We, like we have it linked with the event page. So you can literally just buy them on the event page at the it's the second annual uh Happy Holidays music festival on Facebook. So it makes it a little bit easier for you to like get your tickets and stuff like that on there. But we do have an evi- eventbrite. If you get it on the eventbrite, it's ten dollars and then at the door it's like fifteen. So you do save like five bucks if you can, you know, grab them before doors.
0: That's a steal. I mean, five bucks, you know, the dollar won't get you that far these days. But I mean, five dollars, I'll get you a a beer. Yeah, it's true. You know, or at least most of a beer. (laughs) You're not wrong. (laughs) Three quarters of a beer you will get for five dollars. And I'm guessing that Diablo booking is on social media as well. Facebook, Instagram, all the good stuff.
1: Yeah. Instagram and Facebook. Sweet.
0: You're not on X? No,
1: I'm still trying to. I I, Twitter. Yeah. Well, no, it's not even that. It's just like, I haven't had time to set
0: up a Twitter for it yet. I have to. You're not TikToking, bro.
1: I've had somebody TikTok for me and then <laughs> <laughs> I, so it's, it's funny because every, every one of my shows, I know I should be doing something like that, but it's like, I try to enjoy everything that I put on in a sense. So I kind of get lost in in enjoying like anyone's set that's playing or just talking to anybody that, you know, comes up to me. Cause I, I don't know. I'm very personable. So I, I like to talk to everybody. So, when all that's pretty much said and done, you know, it's like, Oh, I wasted this entire show by seeing all the bands that I wanted to see and then talking to all my friends. And I didn't do anything that I should have done, like take pictures, uh, record anything or anything like that. Cause I, I don't know, for me, it's just like, I live in the moment and I just, you know, I like, I like to, you know, watch the bands that are playing.
0: Yeah, I get it. Good for you. That's why you're doing it, right? To enjoy it. Yeah. So, all right, man. Well, uh, thanks for taking the time. Uh, I'm, I'm happy to have uh, learned more about you, the comedy, the stealing microphones from your friends. Yeah. Now, we're, now we're booking shows for, with uh, Diablo booking. So,
1: thank you for having me
0: yeah man it's great uh what you're doing like i said before uh best of luck with uh the happy Scholar Day show again it's december 9th clark's billiards in scranson providence road uh tickets available now go to Diablo booking on facebook or instagram there's a link to the i'm sure the event page there too so uh hey man best of luck to you and um, i'm hoping you uh one day get your reunion shows
1: thank you thank you i really appreciate it
0: yeah man for sure well best of luck
1: all right i'll see you
0: all right later